Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to 90 Minutes of Information that will assist you in understanding the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. I say 90 minutes, that's the length of this program, Prophecy Today weekend, and we'll have our broadcast partners who are standing by all across the world getting ready to give us a report, insight into the headlines that we are reading and are hearing from the news reporters, but they're really not giving us the details that those who are interested in Bible prophecy need to have. That's what we do with this 90 minutes. Hope you can stay with us for the entire time. We're going first to our broadcast partner who of course, lives in the United States. He's been locked down there in France for a number of weeks now, wanting to be able to come back home. But uh, he's got a great vantage point to assist us in looking at geopolitical activities. I'm talking about Ken Timmerman, of course. And Ken, let me begin with this. It looks like, as I understand the headlines I'm reading, that Iran, Russia, China, and Turkey are actually celebrating the collapse of the United States. That's talking about, of course, what's happening in the streets all across America. Give us some insight into this particular headline and actually what is going on. Well, look, I I think it's clear that uh, these are countries that do not have America's best interests at heart. So when things take a turn for the worse, as I think they undoubtedly have over the past week with the riots in the streets of America fed by Antifa and uh, these left-wing thugs, you have countries like Iran, Russia, China, and Turkey, all of them uh, celebrating. When, when things are bad in the United States, they celebrate. It also gives them the opportunity, and this is something that both the Chinese and the Iranians have focused on in their media statements and foreign ministry statements over the past week. It gives them the opportunity to, to mock America's criticism of their human rights record. They say, well, look at how bad things are in the United States, you know, what you do to your own citizens, what the police does to our own citizens. So how can you be criticizing us, you know, the Chinese would say, over Hong Kong, or the Iranians would say, over how we treat our own people. But look, this is to be expected, and uh, I've got to say, the Antifa riots are something that I predicted in my latest book, The Election Heist. I've got two chapters in that book showing how the left will use Antifa, these, these, uh, these hard-left, uh, hardened and trained street gangs, to sow chaos in America to take people's attention away from other things that are happening. In my book, it's taking their attention away from the stealing, the theft of the election. Uh, today, I think it's taking their attention away from the rebounding economy. By the way, that book is on pre-sale right now. You might want to go to kentemperman.com and uh, find out how you can pre-order this book. It'll assist when it comes out in August, them producing enough books to take care of all the needs. Great book. I'm looking forward to reading it myself, Ken. Well, let me go now to what Israel believes Bashar Assad is doing there in Syria And they think the Israeli intelligence giving indication that uh, Syria and Assad are restarting their chemical weapons program. Do you know anything about that? Well, these are reports at this point. There's not uh, any confirmation of it. But let's be clear, the International Organization for uh, Chemical Weapons has found Syria guilty 
of using chemical weapons against its own people even after it claimed to have gotten rid of all of its chemical weapons. So there is evidence and proof that Syria already has used chemical weapons against its own people after it got rid of its arsenal and, it, and its major manufacturing facilities. Now what you have is uh, the Israelis have been bombing several air bases in Syria in particular where it's believed that uh, the Syrians are relaunching some form of chemical weapons manufacturing. It's not clear yet what's going on, but what the Israelis have done is to knock out uh, storage facilities and also uh, aircraft that have been transporting material and or weapons in and out of these air bases. Right now we're kind of looking through, sifting through the debris, if you wish, to see what it was that the Israelis actually hit. Was it a chemical weapons manufacturing facility or was it, you know, just some sort of conventional weapons uh, transfer point, uh, which they had been doing systematically for the past five years? Let me stay on the focus on Syria just a moment. Looks like Vladimir Putin, or at least there are rumors out there, that says Putin, who came in about five years ago to prop up Bashar Assad, is simply getting tired of having to deal with Syria and Assad, and actually he's moving now to colonialize Syria and have it a part of his sovereign state of Russia. What do we know? Well, it's very interesting to see that Putin has essentially deputized his ambassador to Syria as a high commissioner, which is, you know, obviously it's an, that's an old trick from colonial days. You would point a high commissioner to a country that you have colonized to essentially run the country. And the justification for this, for empowering this ambassador, giving him these additional powers, is to crack down on corruption. That's what the Russians have said. They said there's too much corruption in Syria, and in particular they're worried about a guy named Rami Makhlouf, who is very close to Assad. He's a family member of Assad. He is rumored to own or at least control something like 60% of the Syrian economy. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable when you think about it. And, you know, the Russians are worried about corruption. I don't think so. I think what they're more concerned with is figuring out how to pay for the rebuilding of Syria, uh, which will have to be done sooner or later. They know that Assad doesn't have money. The government of Syria will not have enough revenues through taxes or through oil. But Rami Makhlouf, aha, there could be a big purse they could snatch. So this is all about the purse snatchers, Jimmy, uh, uh, in the Russian government. We can't have a conversation, Ken, without talking about our old buddy Tayyip Erdogan there in Turkey, who is the president for life in Turkey as of this moment. But his Libya campaign seems like another effort to try to revive the old Ottoman Empire, does it not? Well, it is. You know, we've been talking about this the past couple of weeks. It's not been a big international story. There's not been a lot of media focus. There should be. Uh, as we mentioned last week, the Turks just won a major, major battle, evicting uh, Haftar, the uh, dissident general who's pro-Western, actually a U.S. citizen as well, evicting him from an airbase near Tripoli. And now Turkey and their Islamist allies seem to be on the rise. And Turkey wants to use the Tripoli government to empower its takeover of natural gas and oil deposits in the Mediterranean, 
the Turks have also declared an exclusion zone that would pass through Cyprus, Turkish Cyprus, to Libya from mainland Turkey that they would control and that would give them control over these oil and gas export routes. But things are, uh, you know, the, the Russians who've been supporting Haftar are not sitting back idly and watching this happen. And this past week, the United States has confirmed, our Central Command and Africa Command uh, have confirmed that the Russians have flown in uh, MiG-29s and Sukhoi-34 uh, fighter jets and fighter bombers to Haftar's air bases. Uh, this is a pretty significant escalation of the battle. The Russians are denying it, but the U.S. has photographs of these planes coming in, so it's pretty clear that it took place. And they're, they're claiming, uh, you know, Russia says, well, we're not involved in the Libya war. It's just a private company, Wagner, uh, called Wagner. These are the mercenaries that Putin sends around the world. Well, they were the, the, the front end of the Russian um, military intervention in Syria as well in the beginning. So what we see here is a repeat of what Russia did in uh, Syria happening in Libya, going against Turkey and, uh, as you say, uh, Erdogan's uh, efforts to revive the Ottoman Empire. Let me ask this, Ken. Could these Russian airplanes open up a new phase in a Middle East area and the biggest proxy war possible there? Uh, absolutely, and, and we need to keep an eye on this. And my guess is we're going to know uh, within the next two weeks or so, because this could go either way. Uh, the, the Russians could be, uh, you know, they moved the planes to, to Libya under you know, Haftar's control, or at least the areas under his control. And um, Turkey has seen this before. They do not want to get into a shooting war with Russia. Uh, that is bad news for Turkey. They always tend to lose those battles uh, when they actually happen. Uh, so Russia is upping the ante, if you wish, by shipping new weapons, especially these aircraft there. So uh, either you're going to see a Turkish-Russian confrontation uh, over the next two, two weeks, or you're going to see some kind of compromise or accommodation that they make where uh, perhaps uh, they work together, Turkey and Russia work together to seek a new coalition government. They've already, uh, Russia has already sponsored a peace conference between the Tripoli government and Haftar. It fell through, but they've already sponsored one. So it's not entirely unfeasible that uh, Russia could be building up its forces there in order to gain leverage for some kind of peace conference or some kind of accommodation, political accommodation, in the very near future with Turkey in Libya. In essence, am I correct in saying that follow the money and follow the power, and that's exactly what we're seeing going on in Libya between especially Russia and Turkey? Well, that's right, Jimmy. And, and you, you, with the power, we see the transfer of the jets. And with the money, we see the oil and the gas exports from Libya in the future, which is what Turkey wants to dominate. So you're absolutely right. It's all about power and about money. It's always great to have Ken Timmerman at the broadcast table with us, even if he's in southern France at this point, but a good vantage point in order for us to have him give us his analysis of geopolitical activities around the world. Ken, thank you so very much, my good friend. Stay safe there in southern France. We'll have another conversation next week. Jimmy, it's always my pleasure. God bless. We're going to take a break when we come back. It's going to be a Middle East news update. David Dolan standing by. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. 
Prophecy Today is heard all across the USA on the Prophecy Today radio network, but also it is heard around the world through our website at prophecytoday.com. And Jay, there are many other features on our prophecytoday.com website, like daily news updated out of the Middle East as it pertains to what's happening prophetically. Special reports can be heard right on our website at prophecytoday.com. We have Prophecy Q&A available for you. Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com. And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. By the way, we're going back on the road. The end of the month of June, we'll be headed to the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. And then once we hold the meeting up there, we'll come back down through the United States into Illinois, Ohio, and then over to North Carolina. So you can look at our website, prophecytoday.com, for our schedule. And if you're interested in having us come and teach Bible prophecy at your church, we'd love to do it all day Sunday or Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are the patterns that we try to follow when we go out to churches. You can contact my daughter, Jody. She handles our schedule Call 423-825-6247. Ask for Jody. If she's not there, she will get back to you. Love to come and have a privilege and opportunity of in your church teaching the prophetic word of God. The key region of the world as it relates to Bible prophecy is the Middle East. And there's a man that we always go to on a weekly basis. You know his name, David Dolan. He's been in that region as a journalist over 35 years. He knows, like he knows the back of his hand, what's happening in that world. And so we give him a question. He could go forever. In fact, I told David the other day when we were talking, I said, I could wake you up in the middle of the night. Out of a sound sleep, you could give me the answer to my question. So I'm so privileged to have David Dolan, longtime journalist in the Middle East, join us on a weekly basis. And David, having said that, 
I understand there's a secret deal that's been going on, especially between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and the purpose is challenging Turkey for the control of the Temple Mount. How do Saudi Arabia and Turkey get involved there at the Temple Mount? Can you give us some details on this deal? Well, of course, Jimmy, both countries are Muslim countries, and Islam considers Jerusalem one of its holy sites on earth, not its holiest, of course, that being in Mecca in Saudi Arabia. But we've seen uh, in recent years Turkey rising back to a regional power. Erdogan, the dictator, the leader of Turkey, I call him a dictator because he basically is, but we see him asserting his country more and more in the region, not just in Israel and the territories, but all over the place. We saw over 10 years ago him support, around 10 years ago, him support the Palestinians in a big way with this attempt to ram the blockade of the Gaza Strip and all of that. Well, in recent years, he's upped his money giving to the Palestinians considerably, and he's been pouring in money into Jerusalem in particular and setting up institutions there. And what we have, Jimmy, is a clash between the establishment Muslims, which the Saudis represent, and Egypt and Jordan, the Sunni Muslims, who are uh, basically peaceful, who are seeking business ties all over the world, including with Israel in recent years, and of course a peace treaty between Israel and Jordan and Egypt last century, and the radical groups, which uh, Iran heads, but Turkey is increasingly riding along that coast as well. And uh, the Israel Hayom uh, newspaper last Sunday reported that secret negotiations have been going on between Israel and the Saudis to get some Saudi representatives on the WAFQ. Now, that's W-A-F-Q. That is the Muslim group that runs the Temple Mount. They've done so since uh, after the Muslims took the city from the Crusaders, really, in, in 1100-something. And uh, Jordan controls that body and has since uh, 1948, since the original creation of Israel and the war that went on between uh, the Arabs and uh, Israel. And now the uh, Turks have been uh, influencing that body by these Palestinians that are on the WAP that used to be only Jordanians sat on it. Early last year, in February last year, they extended that to include some Palestinians, up to 18 members now sit on it, and some of those have been voicing the opinions of Turkey. And that's not pleasing to the Israelis very much. Erdogan is turning out to be quite an enemy, actually, of Israel. And they have heard from the Saudis that, well, we want some representatives on that council to balance the Turkish influence in the region. So that's basically uh, what's going on is the two Islamic camps, the radicals and the more moderates, are fighting for domination in the whole region. And control of the Temple Mount is one of the issues that they're uh, involved with. And again, a very holy site to the Muslims, but the holiest site on earth, as we've often discussed, to the Jewish people. So they obviously have a great interest in this struggle. And also at the same time, a major topic of Bible prophecy, the ancient Jewish prophet Zechariah in chapter 12 and verse 2, saying that Jerusalem, and basically we're focusing on the Temple Mount when you say Jerusalem, is going to be the center of controversy. Looks like that is now beginning to come better into focus. 
David, annexation has been a major topic between the body politic members in Israel as to whether it should take place. Prime Minister saying he wants to move ahead with it starting in July. But I understand there's a new poll out that 58% of Israelis believe if they do annex Judea and Samaria, it could lead to the third Palestinian uprising. I mean, is that of enough concern that it might stop Netanyahu from moving ahead with annexation? What are your thoughts? Well, it's definitely a factor, Jimmy, and I've uh, noted all along since this first came up some months ago that the Palestinians are so radically opposed to this that uh, there will probably be an upsurge of violence. And in fact, we've already seen that. As to whether a full uprising comes, a third uprising comes or not, that remains to be seen. But it's certainly a great possibility. But, Jimmy, the opposition to the annexation plan has been growing amongst Israelis in recent weeks as more and more, especially of the settlers and conservative Israelis, have woken up to the fact that this isn't just the U.S. saying you can annex 30% of Judea and Samaria and make this a part of your country and will uh, agree to that, but that the other 70% will become a Palestinian state. Now, President Trump and his crew were very clever in not emphasizing this at all when they were presenting the plan and talking about what it was going to do. They talked about the economic prosperity it would bring to the Palestinians in particular and, uh, you know, the benefits it would bring to the region and these sorts of things. But the reality is the U.S. has not changed its basic focus and the, the focus of the world, really, that there needs to be a two-state solution, a Jewish state and an Arab state, and that would take, uh, again, 70% of Judea and Samaria away. Well, that's not enough for the Palestinians. They want Jerusalem. They want the Temple Mount formally under their control. They want all of Judea and Samaria under their control and the Gaza Strip, which they already have. So they're not going to accept this either way. But again, increasingly Israelis are saying to the prime minister, his allies, that, hey, we didn't sign on for a Palestinian state here. We don't want to see that happen. So the plan is growing to be more dangerous or growing to be more controversial every day, Jimmy. David, one more question on this sovereignty situation. The Jordan Valley is actually key to Israeli security, so he has to move on the Jordan Valley to annex it, does he not? Well, that's been something that both the Labor Party, the old Labor Party, the left, and the right have always agreed on. It was called the Bar-Lev line, that this border with Jordan is essential to be under Israeli control, that the security of the country cannot stand without it. And that's, of course, not because Jordan is such a massive threat, but just to the east of Jordan is Iraq, and just to the east of Iraq is Iran, Israel's greatest enemy. So they can hardly allow that eastern, their longest border, international border with any country, to be allowed to become part of a hostile, potentially hostile Palestinian state. So there is unanimity to do that, but to, to set up a Palestinian state and also 18 Jewish communities, Jimmy, in this annexation plan would be isolated. They would remain under Israeli control, but they would be little inlets, little islands in the Palestinian area. So uh, that's the way they are now, but Israel controls those whole areas. This would revert to the Palestinians. So again, opposition to that is also growing right now.
talk to me about China and their relationship with Israel is seemingly upsetting the United States. They don't want Israel involved with China. What do we know? Well, China's on the roll everywhere around the world, and they're seeking alliances all over the place. They're seeking to help Europe with the coronavirus. They've offered that for Israel. The Israelis do need the business partnership. There's a lot of contacts with China, but they are aware of the dangers of cozying up to China politically, and the United States, as you say, is making that point very clear as well to the Israelis. David Dolan, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, a man who has been in this key region of the world, the Middle East, for a number of years. As a journalist, he has been able to have conversations with the leaders in that part of the world, but understand really the scenario that's unfolding politically. But of course, as we say, politics sets the stage for prophecy to be fulfilled. David, thank you so very much for your report today. We'll have another conversation next week. You're welcome, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Itamar Marcus is standing by. He is the leader of Palestinian Media Watch. He's going to talk about what the Palestinians are warning of an explosion, even suicide bombers, if annexation does go forward in the Israeli government. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We take 90 minutes for the purpose of talking with our six broadcast partners around the world so that we can get information from them, details on what we understand are headlines in that region of the world that really may be affecting the prophetic scenario that's laid out in God's Word. So glad you could continue on with us into our second half hour. We've got about 60 minutes left, so thank you for joining us. Stay with us. You'll be updated on what is really going on in the world. We're going to just outside of Jerusalem now to Itamar Marcus. Itamar Marcus is the team leader for a group called Palestinian Media Watch. It's a group of Israelis who come from other countries, have a mother tongue that may not be Hebrew at least at the beginning of their life. And so, therefore, they speak languages that will help interpret what is really being said on the Palestinian media. Palwatch.org is their website address, and that will give you the capability of signing up with Itamar for a newsletter that he sends out. It's key for you to understand truly what the Palestinian media is saying and how they are 
so most of the time inciting their people against Israel. In fact, Itamar, as I understand it, Palestinian Authority officials have decided to break away, separate themselves from every single agreement with Israel, and I think that includes the Oslo Accords. Am I right? And am I right on the entire issue? Well, they're primarily separating from Israel right now on security coordination, security cooperation. One of the most important things for both sides was was the security cooperation. There are many, many Hamas terrorists all through Judea and Samaria, and they would like two things. One, they would like to kill as many Israelis as possible, and they would also like to organize more and more Hamas members so that they can do a coup in Judean Samaria and turn Judean Samaria into a Hamas outpost the same way Gaza is a Hamas outpost. So what was happening was when Abbas's security services would hear about Hamas terrorists, they themselves would be afraid to arrest them because they really don't have the military capability. They would ask Israel to make the arrests. And Israel would make the arrest. Israel was happy because we got rid of some more Hamas terrorists. And Abbas was happy because we did the work for him, and they weren't going after him. So this is what he is stopping. So what he's doing here is he's biting his nose to spite his face. He's going to cause himself, in the end, tremendous damage if he really does cut off security cooperation with Israel, because, as I say, Hamas will grow, will get stronger, and eventually could replace him the same way they took Gaza and kicked out the Palestinian Authority. Well, I understand that at the same time, Mahmoud Abbas, who is the president of the Palestinian Authority, has said that impending violence is going to happen according to his organization, and regardless of the extent of sacrifice. In other words, he's promised an explosion which may result in many Palestinians dying in this conflict. And it's the last warning Abbas has made. Is he serious about this, or is this just a move to try to gain power? I fear this time he is quite serious. As you know, President Trump recently, at the beginning of this year, announced his his idea for a peace deal between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. Part of the deal was Israel annexing and cooperating uh, under Israeli law, 30% or so of Judea and Samaria. Now, it's the 30% where Israeli towns and cities are located, so it's really not changing very much for the Palestinians. In fact, it's not changing much for them at all, except their fantasy belief that they would be able to destroy those Jewish towns and cities, and expel the hundreds of thousands of Israelis who were living there. So that's what their fantasy was. It was never going to happen, so it's not not really changing anything. What's happening now is Israelis who live in Judea and Samaria live under military decree, and what's going to happen is they're no longer going to be under military, they're going to be under Israeli law, like all other Israelis. Now, to us, we also don't feel the difference. I live just south of Jerusalem. Uh, in Judea, and there's no sense of any difference in law between Israel and here. So, like I say, it's really just on paper. So the Palestinian Authority should be not, should not be making a big deal of this. But Abbas is going to use this as an excuse to start some kind of a terror war. I could say not only that one warning that you were referring to, 
We have had incessant warnings over the last few days. They're running music videos with incredible violence and promotion of violence. There was an item not so long ago they said, put on your belt and blow them up in Haifa. Put on your belt and blow them up in Adelaide. Literally a call for suicide bombings in Israeli cities of Haifa and Adelaide. So what's happening is Abbas, who has not accomplished anything for his people really ever, he looks for opportunities to start violence campaigns. Whenever he has a violence campaign and a terror wave, he becomes very popular. So that's what he's planning. He's planning a terror wave with the excuse being, the excuse being that Israel is annexing 30% of the land. And by the way, that is expected to happen at or on or about July 1st. That was the Israeli government coalition agreement that on or about July 1st, Israel would declare Israeli law on the places where Israelis are living. You know, it's interesting to me, Itamar, that uh, Abbas seems to be very hypocritical because at the time he is warning Israel about an explosion, the last warning he's saying, and also the fact that regardless of the extent of sacrifice, you were talking about uh, suicide bombers there. At the same time, he's saying to the rest of the world he's against international terrorism. He talketh out of both sides of his mouth, does he not? Absolutely. One of the most evil things about the Palestinian Authority is that they tell their people, and they tell Israelis, that killing Israelis and killing Israeli civilians, men, women, children, is not terror. And that's why he can justify not being, or, or not feeling he's a hypocrite, because if if a terrorist kills an American, if a terrorist kills a European, if a terrorist kills a Japanese, they're all terrorists. If a Palestinian kills an Israeli, it's their legitimate right. He literally tells this to his people, and we've heard it dozens of times, killing Israelis. If, you, if a Palestinian, here, give you an example. The Awad cousins, two Palestinian terrorists, went into the family, into the home of the, the Fogel family, and they murdered a couple, and they murdered the three infants in bed. One infant and two young children, all under the age of five, slit their throats, those awads are not considered terrorists. They murdered a couple and their three children. They're not considered terrorists by the Palestinian Authority. Palestinians have a right to kill Israelis everywhere, anywhere, doesn't matter who they are. That is Palestinian Authority ideology. Itamar, I know that you're on top of the Palestinian media with your team, Palestinian Media Watch, palwatch.org, the address of your website. But uh, you know the overall situation in Israel. Your thoughts on this last question. How will Israel respond to this intifada, this uprising of violence, if it does begin as the Palestinian Authority is warning it will? First of all, I would say that he's tried many times in the past to succeed in starting these terror campaigns. Usually what happens is it, it has a number of false starts, and then if there's a real tragedy and there's a successful murder, then everybody starts copycatting that murder. Now, this has happened a few times. I'm hoping, please God, that they will not be able to have that first successful event that turns out to, that, 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 ever, that starts to uh, make everything snowball. Um, hopefully, we will be able to prevent it from starting altogether by, by preventing that first successful terror attack. And if we're able to, we could, uh, could get over the hump. That's what we have to hope for. We just have to hope. 
If he does start having people who are being terrorists who are going around and, and killing people, it's, it's very difficult to fight it for the simple reason that it's not an army. Abbas doesn't send an army. He sends one terrorist here, one terrorist here, and then you have copycats. Copycats are a person who wakes up in the morning and decides, I want to go out and kill someone. And then he doesn't even know about it. Abbas doesn't know about it. Nobody knows about it. It's just that terrorist who gets the feeling he wants to be a Palestinian hero. He wants to have his name on TV. He wants to have a school named after him. So this is what Palestine. So that's that's what happens when it gets started. Let's hope it doesn't get off the ground. That's what we have to hope for. That's the voice of Itamar Marcus. And Itamar, we hope the same thing will take place. But we understand the Bible talks about these people and their attack on the Jewish people as well, especially in this time in history. Thank you so very much for the service that Palestinian Media Watch does. It's key to the rest of the world understanding what's happening in Israel. We appreciate it so much. Thank you, Edomar. We'll have another conversation, I hope, real soon. Have a good day. Bye. Well, we always, on a weekly basis, stay on top of the story coming out of the region of the world key to Bible prophecy. I'm talking about the European Union and the man who covers that for us, who did actually live in Brussels, Belgium, for over 30 years, John Rood. John now travels across the world, and he speaks on prophetic issues as well, uh, but is our broadcast partner to continually cover the European Union. Key in our understanding of how Bible prophecy ultimately is coming together. John, let me begin our conversation today. I understand there are calls for a conference on the future of Europe uh, to be launched as soon as possible. What do we know about that? Well, that. This is a very interesting pattern, and of course, I've had time to monitor the European Union and how they do things. So, in a sense, this is a very predictable course of events, but I'd like to share some insight on this particular type of thing that the European does periodically. So, after Brexit, they have the idea that, you know, the European Union is not working correctly and we need to fix it. The problem is they have to fix it like every single year. So they came up with this Band-Aid idea. They have the Conference on the Future of Europe, which incidentally has been done probably a couple of times before. And so the usual party line goes that we're going to have new ideas, we're going to reinvent ourselves, we're going to see what didn't work, and this is the biggest thing is we're going to include the public opinion We're going to have a forum, and we're going to listen to the constituents of Europe. You know what? The EU has more than 50 years now of history, and they haven't listened to the public yet. It's an extremely undemocratic setup, and this is the very reason why it can be a place where a leader would have a great abuse of power potential because of the lack of democracy. So here we go one more time the future of Europe, and so we're going to listen to the public. It just will not happen. John, sounds like you're reading out of the prophetic passages in God's Word with the revival of the Roman Empire and the appearance of Antichrist. Wow, the political setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. We've been talking in the last couple of weeks, you and I, about China. And now there is a headline coming out of Europe that China needs to win over 
the European people, after a loss of trust of what they've been doing, especially with the coronavirus situation, and especially also with the impact of the United States rivalry between the United States and China. Give us more details, please. Yes, the European Union uh, feels that they're uh, in between two, where they're expected to make a decision between the United States and China. They're not interested to do that. The high authority for international diplomacy has basically said we're not going to make any particular choice. But uh, as we know, no choice is a choice. And so they have chosen to go for the economic benefit and to appease China. China, of course, right now is really back against the wall because of the Hong Kong issue and this national security legislation, which essentially takes away the autonomy of Hong Kong. This is actually against the treaties that were made after the British rule and China took Hong Kong back again. It was supposed to be 50 years of at least autonomous rule in Hong Kong, which would leave another 27 years. So China is trying to defend themselves with the rest of the world while Europe is working to appease China. And as you mentioned, very interesting, President Trump has spoken about the G7 group of nations, saying that it's outdated and he wants to expand it to include Russia, India, Australia, and South Korea, but not China. So China is sees themselves on the defensive, uh, something that they don't really like to do. The U.K. has come out and said that their idea of a new G7 would include India, Australia, and South Korea, but not China. And so they're actually, we go through this detail for this point, because the G7 could be transformed to a D10, which would be 10 democracies rather than just the seven uh, developed countries. And so China is saying quickly that they need to work on some type of reorganizing before they're cut out on the world stage and the level of the G7. John, let me pick up on what you said to mentioning Hong Kong there. It looks like the European Union is saying that they would rather trade with China. That trumps freedom for Hong Kong. In other words, they're going to give up Hong Kong so that they continue their trade relations with China. Discuss that with me. Exactly. That's what it appears. The EU has come out and said, why didn't they sign the United States-British Treaty concerning Hong Kong? It's like, well, we can make our own decisions. And their decision really is to walk a tightrope for hoping for this economic gain. Germany is going to take over the six-month uh, rotating presidency of the EU Council. Uh, that begins on July 1st. And so China is particularly courting Germany right now and prioritizing that they would have uh, better relations with the European Union. The European Union does have a major uh, EU summit with China every single year, this year was supposed to be very high profile in uh, Leipzig in September, but now that has been postponed because of the coronavirus. So Hong Kong uh, remains a major international contention, and the U.S. Secretary of State has declared that uh, Hong Kong does not warrant special treatment now because China has taken away this autonomous status. Yet the European Union is persistent, and it's taking its own road to uh, apparently appease China, 
for an economic benefit chosen over freedom. That's the voice of John Rood, and the reason we have him on the air with us is because of what he has just related to us about China, the European Union, and all the activities that are going on between these two particular parties. Actually, political activities setting the stage for the prophetic scenario to be fulfilled. Great report, John. Thank you so much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, here's another conversation we need to have at this point in history and at this time in the economic situation as it relates to the United States and basically to the entire world. I'm going to bring to the microphone right now Ron Murrow, and Ron is a financial advisor. He's been in the economic business for over 30 years and uh, mostly in management, by the way. But today he has a website. Let me give you that address, Prophecy Tracker, P-R-O-P-H-E-C-Y-T-R-A-C-K-E-R, Dot org. I would suggest you bookmark that. It'll be a good place for you to go and get some great understanding about Bible prophecy, but as well the economic situation in our world. Ron, it's great to be able to talk to you again. And I was at your website reading the article that you put there, and you wrote about the spread of the debt virus. I liked that phrase. How did you come up with it? And Give us a quick resume of what you were actually saying in the article. Yeah, Jimmy. Hi. Actually, on my blog, I write opinion pieces on existing articles from various websites as they relate to Bible prophecy. The headline, The Spread of the Debt Crisis, caught my attention from a financial website because of the tremendous ramp-up in both Federal Reserve and government spending due to the COVID-19 virus. Well, that uh, then gives us a avenue to open up a conversation about this economic situation, especially here in the United States. And as I read from your article and understand, the United States budget deficit could exceed $4 trillion. That's a T, $4 trillion. Now, if that is bad, and I probably, as a novice, would say that's bad, why is it so bad? You know, Jimmy, the, the, the budget deficit is the amount of money that the government spends above what it takes in from tax revenues. Now, that amount then adds to the growing national debt each year. Since 2008 financial crisis, budget deficits have continually grown when in 2012 the deficit exceeded $1 trillion for the first time. This year, the government has rolled out gigantic stimulus spending that will push the debt to levels never seen before. And it will be paid for with printed money that will debase the U.S. dollar and could cause food and asset prices to rise. That does sound like inflation, and I want to ask you about that in a moment. But I understand as well, according to your article, that soon the budget deficit could exceed some $30 trillion. That's nearly almost $100,000 per American if they had to pay it back. Am I pretty much on track? That is absolutely correct, Jimmy. But the $100,000 owed by all 331 million Americans is based on the debt we owe right now. Any future spending, like President Trump's promise to help thousands of small businesses get back open after the riots end, will only add to that amount. Then I understand, as we're thinking about this out loud and having our conversation, uh, what we were talking about, that uh, budget deficit of $30 trillion, does not include Social Security, Medicare, 
or Medicaid, which uh, puts that debt over $100 trillion. And man, that would be $370,000 per person for a payback. You know, actually, the $100 trillion number is called unfunded liabilities, and that is not included in the national debt. It is actually on a separate ledger, like the Federal Reserve debt is separate. So the total debt is likely well north of $130 trillion and as high as $150 trillion that makes up the $370,000 debt owed by every man, woman, child in America. You know, I said just a moment ago we would talk about uh, inflation. I understand from some of the items I've read on your website, prophecytracker.org, that we need to get back to reality, and that is talking about the inflation situation. You use the term hyperinflation. What does that mean? You know, we can certainly see this debt uh, being a cause of hyperinflation. When a nation builds up massive debt, the world can lose confidence in that nation's ability to pay back what it borrows. When that happens, the nation's currency will often plunge, and then it takes more and more currency for the people of the country to buy goods and services. Hyperinflation is not like inflation, Jimmy, that builds over time. Hyperinflation actually happens suddenly. Is that what you're talking about when uh, the old phrase has been used, uh, it'll take a, a, a wheelbarrow full of money to be able to buy a loaf of bread? Is that what we're talking about, hyperinflation? Yeah, that's right, Jimmy. After World War I, Germany's hyperinflation was so severe that the nation was wide open for a strongman leader to ride in on a white horse to save the day. Germany's debt of 132 billion gold marks, or about 269 billion U.S. dollars today, was so crushing it took 92 years to pay it off. And I understand that uh, with the situation economically there in Germany, right at the end of World War One, the mid-20s in the beginning of uh, the 1920s, we're talking about a situation that brought forth a man named Adolf Hitler. I read what Winston Churchill had to say about Hitler. He made the statement, you either have a savior who brings you out of this economic chaos, or you're going to have a tyrant. And that's pretty much what happened, wasn't it, Ron? Yes, it was, Jimmy. Uh, Germany was in such dire straits, they were open for anyone to come in that had a plan. Anyone that that had an idea on how they could get the country back on its feet and become an economic power again. And uh, certainly that led to uh, Hitler's rise, uh, which is uh, absolutely uh, parallel to Revelation uh, 6, uh, 5 and 6. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you and I are both students of Bible prophecy, and boy, that prophetic parallel there in Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 seems to be exactly what we're talking about, and that would be, of course, happening in the tribulation period. Let me remind our listeners that the location where it says a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. Now, I understand wheat would be enough food to take care of a family for a day, or a barley would be animal food for a day, but it's talking about a penny, and at that point in time, a penny actually was a day's wages. That's really hyperinflation, is it not, Ron? Yes, it is, Jimmy. It's absolutely correct. Talk to me about the fact that since in World War One, at the end of World War One, this type of economic situation turned to Hitler for the salvation from this economic chaos that was happening in their part of the world. 
And when we talk about hyperinflation, measure of wheat for a penny through measures of barley for a penny, in the tribulation period that comes after the rapture of the church, this economic situation is certainly setting up for the Antichrist to come on the scene. Would you agree with that, Ron? Yes, I do, Jimmy. And I think what we see with this type of hyperinflation, we see it actually in Venezuela today. We have a form of hyperinflation going on there as the country's currency fell apart. So we have a real-life example of what it looks like right now, going on in the world right now. And so thus, dear friend, having heard what Ron just said, boy, that was a pretty powerful statement that's going on right now. That means that that would happen, uh, replicated in the tribulation period across the entire world. Uh, But prior to that has to be the rapture of the church. So we are at that time in history. You know, economics plays a key role in understanding Bible prophecy, Ron. Don't you agree? As you have your website there, prophecytracker.org, you try to put the two together. I think that's very helpful, my good friend. Well, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that a lot. We, uh, we, We try to keep our eye on different financial websites all around the world, in addition to just regular news websites, to see if we can find uh, the relation to prophecy within the news. Yes, that's it. That's the banner over our website, looking at current events, in other words, news reports, in light of Bible prophecy. Ron, a great job. I'd love that article. And your website looks great. I'm going to suggest people go there as often as they can. But that's right after they go to prophecytoday.com, of course. That's right. We've got the Prophecy Today prominently displayed right on the front page of the website. Well, thank you so much, my good friend. And thank you for this conversation. Appreciate it. Some great information, buddy. God bless. We'll talk again real soon, I hope. Thank you, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to give you a look at the book, ultimately, at the end of the next half hour. But David James is standing by. We're going to be talking about all these protests happening across the world. How should the Christian look at this world situation here in America? We'll do that in a moment right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I want to remind you, we start our traveling once again as we leave and go towards Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, and we'll be there teaching at the end of June into July. Come back all the way down through the United States, Illinois, Ohio, then into North Carolina. Pray for us, and if you're interested in a meeting for us to come teach the prophetic word of God, call Jody at 423-825-6247. Also, if you will, go to my website, prophecytoday.com. I want you to answer the poll question. On the homepage, left-hand column, you'll find the question. Here it is. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the end times, it would be perilous times. There would be truce-breaking. Young people would be disobedient to their parents and to leadership. Do you think this prophetic passage is describing today with the chaos in the streets of America? That's the poll question. Be sure to answer it, if you will. And want to remind you that at my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash 
prophecy today. I have prophecy moment. It is a great way to study the prophetic word of God in about five or 10 minutes. That's my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash prophecy today. We now bring to this microphone David James here on Prophecy Today to have a conversation with me focused on an issue that needs to be discussed in light of how we understand biblically we should be living, walking, and doing what we are doing today. We're going to focus on the chaos in America that was sparked by the death of George Floyd. Everybody's talking about everybody's talking about it on secular media. I do believe that we need to have the discussion as well. But before that, we catch up with David James, who was still at home, probably the longest stretch of time when he hasn't traveled internationally for ministry in several years. But David, it's my understanding that even though you were not able to leave your living room, you did some teaching in Germany this week. Tell us about it. Well, we certainly live in an amazing time in history, Jimmy, from a technological perspective at least. I taught 1 Corinthians through Zoom to students 6,000 miles away at the Word of Life Discipleship Training Center and Bible Institute near Berlin in northeast Germany and was their last class of the year. And, you know, I know this type of distance learning is probably going to be more and more of a reality of life as we go forward, and, and I think it went well, but I have to tell you, Jimmy, that for me, there's just no substitute for actually being with students and staff on locations. And I'm with you, David. You know, we can use the internet and uh, the YouTube situation to teach the prophetic word of God. We're doing that. You're doing that. But I like to see the whites of their eyes when I'm speaking to them. I just play off of how the audience is reacting. So I'm with you on that particular subject. David, you know, it's never good when a country erupts into the kind of lawless chaos that we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. And of course, the timing could hardly have been worse as the country is beginning actually to emerge from the strict coronavirus lockdown. Well, that's right, Jimmy. And and first, our hearts go out to the family of George Floyd, a, a man who, by all accounts, didn't need to die. He was restrained and fully subdued for nine minutes, and there were four cops around him, and any threat he may have posed before that was already over. And honestly, as I read this and come to understand this, it wasn't just white on black. Uh, there were three other officers who, as I understand it, were white, black, and Asians. You know, there's no excuse for what happened. Charges have been brought, and I think justice will be served against all of them, uh, and time will tell. Uh, But much of what's been happening has been tough to watch, with our country being systematically torn apart day after day after day, and so many businesses have gone from being uh, shut down by the coronavirus to now being boarded up and then being burned down with many of those businesses owned by minorities who are losing everything. And, you know, I think there's been pent-up frustration over the handling of the coronavirus issue, and on top of this, uh, politicians on both sides have now weaponized uh, both of these crises in a presidential election year. 
And as I've watched this play out for several months, it seems that our country is honestly, collectively losing its mind. Some seem to be itching for a full-blown race war, while others are looking for a war between government and anti-government factions. And, and now I was just reading today that places of worship are now coming under attack, churches and synagogues, and it's all being fueled by deep-seated political and ideological and racial and, and religious differences. You know, it is definitely becoming a complicated and an emotional issue. And at the forefront, for many, it's a racial component that is causing most of it, which involves prejudice, hatred, and even violence, as you've been talking about. However, David, in reality, isn't it true that biblically there's only one race, the human race? Well, yes. Scientifically, genetically, biblically, there is only one race, as you said, the human race. And yet the entire human race is still reeling from the effects of a judgment that God executed against mankind well over 4,000 years ago. When God created Adam and Eve, he instructed them and their descendants to scatter across the earth and to take control of widely diverse geographic regions. And after God judged the first First global rebellion by the flood, he once again instructed Noah and his descendants to scatter once again, but in rebellion they built a city whose top was to be the place of worship of Satan, the god of this world. And so God judged them by confusing their languages, forcing them to disperse along family lines, and between families there were these conflicts that developed because they could no longer communicate with one another. And this ultimately led to isolated gene pools in various geographic regions, giving rise to what we have come to consider races, but we're all just people. You know, just as there are quarter horses and Arabians and Tennessee walkers and Belgians, uh, they're all simply variations of a horse. So whether we're red or yellow or black or white or have brown or black or blonde or red hair, we're all humans. We're all descendants of Adam and Eve, and we're all descendants of Noah and his wife. So we're not different races at all. We're all cousins who make up just one single human race. I think that is an excellent thought that the entire world needs to consider, and especially those who are propagating racism that's what's driving all of this chaos. David, you've been a missionary for a number of years, and I know that it makes you travel around the world like we were just earlier talking about, and you've been in many different cultures. David, do you see these kinds of problems in other countries? And if so, where does it come from? Well, you're right, Jimmy. I've seen a lot of things as I've traveled hundreds of thousands of miles over the years. And it, it looks a little different depending on where you are. And I'm not sure that most people really have a grasp on just how devastating that judgment at the Tower of Babel really was. You know, when I first went to Hungary back in 1992 as a young and I would say naive missionary, I was told by some there that it was almost impossible to bridge the gap between gypsies and and Hungarians, even among believers in the church. 
So there were Hungarian churches and gypsy churches, but most said you could never really have blended churches. And I had a hard time accepting that, and I tried to bridge that cultural gap. But in my 16 years there, it never really worked, I, I have to say. Gypsy music is just radically different from Hungarian music, and so are worship styles, even among believers. A gypsy dress can be significantly different. Lifestyle can be different. Family dynamics are different. And even ways that uh, they look at life, their worldviews are somewhat different. And each of us tends to think that our way is better than another, even when they're just different, and it's not about being better or worse, and this can lead to suspicion and distrust. For example, in Uganda, where the skin color among the people there, especially in close regions, the skin color is almost identical, but I have found that just differences in the shape of the nose between tribes can be a little bit different, and there can be deep-seated prejudices that exist between tribes, even for these smallest of differences. So, Jimmy, these are basic sin problems, and not racial problems. They are sin problems, and they're sins of ignorance that are amplified by the sins of pride and the sins of greed and hatred and jealousy, and the list goes on. Yes, I do agree, and that's the bottom line of what we're discussing here today on Prophecy Today. Of course, in the midst of all of this, there's the voice of faith leaders who can really provide crucial guidance and hope. What kinds of things have you come across as you have been researching this, David? Well, Dr. Tony Evans is the pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in South Dallas, and actually he's the first African-American to receive a doctorate from Dallas Theological Seminary, a school that I graduated from. And he said this last weekend, this is the time for a national reset to address our cultural pandemic, a reset not based on societal patchwork, which produces no long-term impact, but rather on a spiritual foundation influenced by a repentant, obedient, and unified church. We must rise up together to rectify the individual and systemic issues we face. And while we must address the crisis before us, we must also not allow ourselves to be drawn into a destructive response. I not only affirm, but I also encourage the peaceful and righteous protests and protesters, as does God. But unrighteous destruction will not accomplish the goal we need to ultimately experience once and for all. And then a pastor of a church in Indianapolis said this, violence begets violence and hate begets hate. People have right to protest, but they have to do it peacefully. When protests escalate to violence and people do damage to the city, it's not going to help the situation. So, Jimmy, the only real solution is evangelism and discipleship. And if anything, we've seen that America can hardly be classified as a Christian nation after what we've been witnessing over this past week. We're not thinking or acting as if we're a nation whose motto is, in God we trust. Yes, that's true. David, the other day you mentioned to me that you've been running into an argument on the social media that only someone who has been oppressed has the right to weigh in on the subject of oppression, and uh, therefore they have the only right to react to what's going on. So that would mean basically that you and I are out of line even discussing this subject. 
Jimmy, I tend to think that perspective is emotional and a bit short-sighted and also fails to account for the relevancy and wisdom found in the Word of God, which deals with every possible circumstance in life. 2 Timothy 3:15-17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God to change hearts and minds. It's not my persuasive words. It's not your persuasive words. And fortunately, we don't have to go through every possible negative experience in life to help people cope with the difficulties they might experience and do that in a godly way. Uh, what we've been seeing on television over this past week is a nation that has lost its way because we're not thinking biblically. We need to get the Word of God taught correctly back into our pulpits so that men and women can face the challenges and the injustices of life and do so biblically. We have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and at night after night we're seeing the results of people yielding to him rather than to the Spirit of God. I agree with everything you just said, and in fact, the entire conversation as well. Let me just add this one thing. First Timothy, you're talking about Second Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says, Pray for those who are in high authority. Judy and I, my wife and myself, each night come together and pray for those making decisions around this country to keep this country in some type of semblance as the way God had brought it into existence. David, I thought this was a very important discussion, and I thought that the Lord allowed us to bring up some issues that should be considered, especially by the body of Christ. Thank you, David. Appreciate your research and your conversation with me. We'll have another one next week. Thanks, Jimmy, so much. Always enjoy being with you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll open up the Bible. We'll take a look at the book, put all the reports from our broadcast partners together and see what God's prophetic word has to say. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Just how close are we to the rapture of the church? Do events taking place in the Middle East and around the world have prophetic significance? In his latest book, Sound the Trumpets, Jimmy DeYoung examines these questions and explains just how near the rapture of the church could possibly be. By comparing four trends from prophetic scripture to current events taking place in the world today, Jimmy shows that the stage is set. Every actor is in place, and the curtain is about to go up on the end-time scenario set forth in the scriptures.
Sound the Trumpets is a must-read for every serious student of Bible prophecy. To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's new book, Sound the Trumpets, for only $15, call us today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us on the World Wide Web at prophecytoday.com. Call today and make sure to get your copy of Sound the Trumpets. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Today on Prophecy Today Weekend, we had some great reports from our broadcast partners. The details that they gave us came from experience that the broadcast partners have covering world events in our world today. Insight into the issues we discussed with them. With these reports and our study of Bible prophecy, We can see where God is in his plan for the future. That's why we offer them to you. If you had to miss any of the reports, you can go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. There we've archived each and every one of my conversations, and you'll be able to listen to them. And do me a favor. Will you please tell a friend that they can hear these reports as well? They need to hear them so they can understand why this world is doing what it's doing as it is setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Now, having said that, I want to take a moment and rehearse the key reports from our broadcast partners and then give you my prophetic perspective. Ken Timmerman came to the broadcast table to join us with his reports on geopolitical activities, his headline story, Iran, Russia, China, and Turkey Celebrate the Collapse of America. Well, just think with me for a moment. All three of those different countries play a key role in Bible prophecy. Russia is listed in Ezekiel 38, verse 2, as Magog, China, Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12, the leader of the kings of the east, and Turkey, also in Ezekiel 38, verses 2 and 6, in verse 2, Meshach, Tubal, in verse 6, Gomer, and Tagarma. Why are they celebrating the collapse of America? One of the reasons is that America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. They are going to be taken out so that these other nations of the world will be able to play out their role in Bible prophecy. David Dolan gave us his Middle East news update. He was talking about the fight for control of the Temple Mount between Israel, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and the Palestinians. Again, all in that list are in Bible prophecy, America not mentioned. But remember, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 2 says that Jerusalem, basically the Temple Mount, Jerusalem or the Temple Mount will be the center of controversy in the last days. We certainly see that prophetic scenario coming better into focus. And the Temple Mount today is controlled by Jordan and the Palestinians. However, Saudi Arabia and Turkey want to play a role as well. They have no right because God in the Davidic covenant has promised to give Jerusalem to the Jewish people and the Temple Mount where a temple will stand and where the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will rule and reign forever. 
That's a absolute guarantee from the Davidic Covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Edmar Marcus heads up the team Palestinian Media Watch, palwatch.org, their internet address, and I had a conversation with him about Mahmoud Abbas, head of the Palestinian Authority, warning that there is coming an explosion, a sacrificial war, even including suicide bombers. The Palestinians do not want the Israelis to annex Judea and Samaria. We've talked about the external warnings from the nations we've already mentioned. This would be an internal conflict that will take place, and it's foretold in the book of Malachi chapter 1, where it says the Palestinian people will rise up. Ezekiel chapter 35 talks about they will kill the Jews and then steal their land. And the book of Obadiah says that at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, the Palestinians will be a people as if they had never been a people completely destroyed forever. John Rood gave his update on the European Union We talked about a call for a conference in Europe that would focus on the future of Europe and the European Union. My friend, you must remember the future of the European Union is going to be the revived Roman Empire. You study that along with Daniel chapter 7, verses 23 and 24. It's talking about horns in Daniel 7, 7, and the little horn in Daniel 7, 8. So the revived Roman Empire will bring about the Antichrist who will be on the scene as a part of the prophetic scenario that's found in the Word of God, especially when you look at Revelation chapter 17. Ron Morrow, who is a financial advisor, been in that business for over 35 years, talked about hyperinflation. He used that term to describe the problem with U.S. debt as high as it is. But what was interesting to me, we paralleled that with Bible prophecy. Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, this is the third of the sealed judgments. You remember it says, a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. Wheat is enough for a meal for a family of four for one day in a penny is the wages that you will receive at that time. That's the way it was when John wrote the book. And three measures of barley, that would be animal food at that time. You see, debt causes inflation. And as we have seen, that is exactly what is portrayed there in Bible prophecy. Again, Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Remember back in World War I at the end of that time, economically, it is as we are seeing it today. That brought about Adolf Hitler. Winston Churchill said, you either have a savior or you have a tyrant. He turned out to be a tyrant, of course. And in the tribulation period, inflation is going to set the stage for the appearance of Antichrist. And then David and I concluded the broadcast interviews today talking about the chaos in the streets of America. Remember the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 3, said that in the last days there will be perilous times. There will be the breaking of many agreements, and indeed there will be disobedience from the young people towards their parents and leadership. The pulpits must be strong. They must teach the Word of God. And remember, as David brought to our attention, there is only one race in the world, 
the human race. Well, those were the conversations with our broadcast partners. You can put a compilation of those reports together. You can only come to one conclusion. And that is that the next event, which is foretold in Bible prophecy, the rapture of the church, that rapture about to happen at any moment. And having made that statement, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up unto. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. 